Hi, Janice. Welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm Janice, and I'm an adult child. And thank you so much for all the servants doing service and for this meeting, because uh, this meeting was one that I landed in when I'd like to think I hit my ACA bottom. Um, and it's been up from there, so that's great. So this meeting was a real source for me. And I, I live in New Zealand, but I'm from New York, and I'm in New York now. So just so cool that I can keep making this meeting no matter where I am in the world. It's so cool. But, um, you know, I know we were supposed to pick a tool from the Bidrug book, but I am I'm so uh, deeply enmeshed and loving the ILP guidebook. Um, that I'm gonna have to share from there. So that's just the deal. Anyway, I'll just tell you quickly about myself. Um, my father was a, a junkie and a gangbanger who was killed when I was nine, but out of my life. Um, my mother was a fierce codependent and prescription drug addict. Um, my memories of her were waking up and neosinephrine sniffing that first thing in the morning. And, um, and unfortunately in the 70s, that's all they had really for um, people who suffered from depression was unlimited Valium. And then when she met my stepfather, my life went completely um, downhill. Uh, he was a drug addict and a drug user and a, and a drug dealer. So I grew up in a house where there was lots of drug parties, lots of alcohol. Um, and then we'd all go to AA. I was like a 10-year-old meeting while everybody was, you know, learning all this AA language. And um, in between that, I was getting my face rearranged and beaten pretty badly by this man and um, sexually abused which is really hard for me to still own today because I still have that little voice, that little 1% of gaslighting going, no, you weren't, you know? So I have to keep trying to own that. And, um, and it got to the point where my mother died. She was sick from cancer from the time I was four and she died when I was 15. And finally I was removed by the state of New York and put into foster care as a result of my stepfather's abuse. So when we talk about like, you know, some of us had parents who are addicts, tick. Some have hypochondriacs, tick, foster care, tick. Like I just keep ticking them off. Um, the only thing I didn't tick was pretty much, um, what? No. The only thing I didn't tick pretty much was uh, over religiosity. So on top of that, um, you know, I constantly talk about feelings of abandonment. And, um, and then I wound up fortunately myself getting clean and sober at the age of 24. Um, not before I became addicted to heroin and, and a real incredible mess also traveling around the world so you know fortunately i got clean and um and i did so in, in in na and aa in new york and um that was great and and it was all this hope and um you know many years later i now live in new zealand with my my husband and my son and um there's at uh 26 years sober Owned a business, set records in sport, represented New Zealand in sport. Um, couldn't own any of it, couldn't enjoy any of it. Had an Ivy League degree, career in New York, um, in Brazil, moved around. And I was with this business and uh, I was absolutely spiraling out of control because I'd recreated my entire dysfunctional family and the business that I built myself. And it was a very enveloping business in the fitness industry. It's like your whole social life is around it. Your whole world is around it. Um, you know, and a therapist once said to me, when I sat there so angry and frustrated as to why am I in this situation? Why do people need things from me? He goes, Janice, yeah, why are you in this situation? Why in the situation where, where you need people to need you? And he said it in a very, you know, therapeutic way. It wasn't critical, but it really stuck with me. 
So there wasn't a caretaking profession and I'm not a caretaker or so I thought. Um, needing these accolades and living in another culture where I really struggled terribly. Um, it looks beautiful in the travel, the travel logs, but um, I struggle there as a woman. It's a very, very male, male culture. I struggle there in a culture that is very xenophobic and does not like Americans. So I, I very much so isolate myself in a lot of ways. I struggle to connect with the program there. So, you know, here I am in this business, I'm completely isolated and I'm thinking, what am I gonna do? I know, you know what, I'm gonna do the steps in AA again. So I go and I get a sponsor, you know, with 30 something years who I had nothing in common with and, um, and that was okay. And I went through the steps again. And I'm sitting there wondering, well, this still, I'm still, I'm still just completely lost. I'm still not where I wanna be. And I was really struggling. Unfortunately, I have a friend here and also a friend um, in New Zealand that ACA kept coming up for me. And the laundry list was just like, bam, bam. And I'd done Al-Anon, I went to the Karen Foundation when I had six years clean. Like I was like, you know, give it to me, I'll do it. And, um, and Al-Anon was okay, but to me, I've always said, it's like, it was like if you're hammering a nail and once in a while I hit the nail, but it pretty much hammered around it a lot, you know? And ACA, when I first got in, was just like hammering that nail every single time. You know, it just nailed it each time. So I did the steps because I'm an old school AAR and I believe the program is the steps. And, um, and that was fantastic. And in the process of all this, you know, um, I sold the business. I bottomed out on the fact that a lot of it was my creation, but it was a, a real gift because, you know, that's I. You know, I move at the speed of pain, and um, and the fact that every time I've hit some bottom in my life, spiritually or physically, there's been a 12-step program there for me. I just I can't think that's coincidence. You know, I I just am so grateful for that. So this really spoke to me. So I did the steps, and that was great. And right as I was finishing the steps, the step writing group. Their Loving Parent Guidebook came out. So I dove into that, into a group. And that has been the complete game changer for me. And um, if you haven't done it and you're not doing it, um, treat yourself. You know, I tell people that, like, treat yourself. Because it's not a chore to me. You know, I'm in the fitness industry. I train all the time. People think it's a chore. I treat myself to that. You know, that's something I, if I look at it that way. Um, I struggled terribly with that physical reaction to people's rejection to criticism, to thinking I can't do this myself, to, to, to abandonment, to all that stuff, like wondering why I would crumble inside, wondering why despite the fact that I'm now a 53-year-old woman, I felt like a 15-year-old kid all the time, angry, rageful. My husband and my son could attest for that. They were big on my ninth step. So finding out that I not only had this raging inner teenager and a, rage, a, a, a very, very sad, lonely, abandoned, hurt child who nobody took care of properly. I found that they, this, the 15 year old takes care of that kid all the time. That's how I operated in my life. You know, that's how I reacted to people. And I didn't have any understanding about the fact that I was a reactor. Like just no concept. I just thought that's what you do. You know, somebody doesn't do what you want them to do. You rage at them. and um finding out that that rage was grief to the extent that I really could internalize that was really, really helpful. So I just want to talk about this one tool in the chapter nine called the reparenting check-in. So I don't suggest you skip ahead to it. Definitely do the book in order, but this one was just absolutely this. I used it today and I use this all the time and I have a little mini version of it on my phone so I can quickly check through myself. Um, the reparenting check-in tool, I'll start from here where it says, you know, talk about the solutions or own loving parent. My loving parent, this is page 94 in Inner Loving Parent. My loving parent matures 
by practicing conscious contact with a higher power. Then my loving parent is guided by to insight, true perception, and self-love. On this basis, I can hear and nurture my inner child. And the tool, which partially is on page 223, is just a four-step check-in. And for me, like when I get that pang in my stomach, that nausea, in the past, I'd have to reach for something. I, and I didn't even realize it. I'd reach for, when we say excitement, you know, addicted to excitement, to me, it was drama. Um, reaching for anything. And, and there I was in a pandemic, in a lockdown, in a country where I'm isolated. I can't reach for anything anymore. You know? And all those things I used stopped working. But I'm so, so rage would just come out in depression. And um, now understanding what's going on has been really helpful. So they talk about number one, we ground. What are you feeling at this moment? What is your breathing like? Short, rough, fast, or constricted? Deep, smooth, slow, or open? What emotions do you feel? Sadness, anger, hurt? What physical sensations do you notice? Constriction, fluttering, warmth. Let yourself feel all of this without judging. Ground your attention in your body by noticing any other sensations you're aware of, such as the feeling of your feet against the floor. Grounding your awareness in your body helps to identify who needs your love and attention. After you identify your physical sensations and emotions, give yourself a chance to experience them before moving on to the next step. I never would have thought of doing that. It was about getting out of them some way, somehow. Fix it, get rid of it. I can't handle this. So sitting and actually just saying, what am I feeling? Most of the time it's nauseous or my that pang in my stomach or my chest is constricting. And who knew that a lot of people don't feel that way? <laughs> Number two, who? What inner family member needs your loving parents' attention? A triggered inner child tends to feel more vulnerable emotions like fear, shame, sadness, or embarrassment. An inner teenager tends to feel anger, resentment, frustration, and rage. Still, all inner family members can feel all emotions. Asking yourself, how old is this inner family member? Can help you determine who needs attention. If you don't know that who's activated, that's okay. Just being curious helps diffuse the trigger and build internal trust. Um, just knowing, just understanding this has been a huge key to me. Ten minutes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Coping just coping using this tool, you know, not just having to like react or get out of it. Number three, what activated this inner family member? External causes can trigger us such as a person, place, or thing. We can also get triggered internally by our critical parent or other distorted thinking. And for me, they usually go together. <laughs> Something will happen outside and that critical inner parent's right there to, you know, oh, fuck sake, Janice, you know? Um, sometimes it's a combination of internal and external causes. It's okay if we don't know what's triggered. We unconsciously think and feel like we did as a triggered child or inner or teenager. And that is 100%, you know, why I still feel like that kid. Um, and it goes on for a little bit, but the last part on page 96 is to tend, number four. How can you tend to this inner family member? How do you feel towards this inner family member connected curious, compassionate. If not, how can you access these qualities to reparent? Once you sense some connection to these qualities, perceive. And it goes on a little bit more, but I'll stop there. That's on page 96. Again, I have a little short version of this on my phone. And now it's become kind of, oh, thank you for whoever's put that on the, the chat. That's fabulous. Um, I can just walk through it, you know, and it happened today. I was first time on a job. I'm back in America. I haven't worked in America in 16 years. I'm back in an industry I haven't worked in years. 
my critical inner parents only. I don't belong here. I suck. I haven't done this in years. They're all better than me. And all someone on the job did was show me some of their work. And I had to go into the bathroom. I immediately crumbled into, I suck. I don't belong here. And I was able to just go through this checklist so quickly in my mind. Okay, what am I feeling? What's going on here? Okay, you know, and then who's who's triggered? What was the trigger? It, it, it's, it's become kind of second nature. And that feeling of having to get out of it and freaking out and let me call someone and unconsciously realizing that I dive into someone else's business or I'll just look on Facebook and go there. And immediately I had this inner loving parent's voice of like, it's okay to be where your action is. Everybody's where they're supposed to be. And it was just like, who the fuck was that? Because no one ever told me that growing up. Um, I went up going to Bronx Science and Columbia University and fuck knows why, because I always wanted to be in the arts. And it's something that I was always told, you better have something to fall back on. And that's something I've made sure never to say to my kid, because that was basically telling me, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You know, why would I need something to fall back on? <sighs> so I live with a lot of that fear. So today I was able to do that. It doesn't mean I'm not going to react this way sometimes. And I think I approached a lot of my recovery that if I just work a program hard enough, then I can be like other people. I mean, clearly I can't drink and I can't use, but then I won't live in the world like everybody else. I didn't understand why, you know, why it wasn't, why it wasn't working. Why is it that I can't go work in this field that actually sucked the life out of me? Why I took everything so personally, you know, when, when, when a client wasn't, responding to me the way I wanted, why I made it about that. And I learned I was trying to cure my mother who smoked on chemotherapy and lived off Valium and chocolate, you know, like I'm going to fix it. I'm never going to fix my mother. She's, she's been dead 38 years, you know? So, I mean, I could have done worse things and then get fit, but um, I've done a lot worse things to myself. So this, this tool has been wonderful. And, it, and again, it's not something I jumped to it. And the chapter on the teenager, I was squirming in my seat. It was so hard. But that, to me, is where the work is. That's where I get the work. That's where the growth comes. You know, and I went through steps, I guess, in other programs, and I realized I told my story a bunch of times. But I was so disconnected to these feelings in telling them. I was disconnected. Is that one more, Heather? Yep, one minute left. Thank you. I'm almost there. It's great. So being so disconnected and working another program, but working this one had me fetal position in my garage and that's okay. Like on the floor, like just crying, you know? And, um, and that's what I'm here for. I mean, it doesn't always feel like that, but I was carrying that stuff around anyway. I just wanted to come out, you know? Um, so I no longer feel like suicidal, you know, I've been almost 29 years sober because being 26 years sober and wanting to kill yourself, where the hell do I go? So fortunately, I think the answer for me has been ACA and that's, that's really changed it for me. So um, I'm not finished with this book yet. Um, loving the work that's coming out of it because if you give me a tool for a job, then I can get the job done. And that to me is what I get from this. So thank you so much. Thank 